One of the things I, I love so much is how often deep insights, some of the, the deepest insights I've ever had, come to me in unexpected moments. Uh, in those moments where, where you're not setting yourself up for some profound insight. But all of a sudden, you discover something amazing. And, and I don't necessarily mean you discover something new. It may be something you've known all your life. In fact, for me, it's, it's even often something I preached about and taught about and, and practiced. But, but then you come to a moment and all of a sudden, that thing that you know goes from your head into your heart. And God just does something. And here's one of the things I've discovered that very often those kinds of moments happen when I'm in conversation with another Christian. When, when I'm sitting down with a sister or a brother and, and they say something. And, and often it's a social setting, but, but, but we kind of have intentionally set ourselves up. Let's, let's talk about real stuff now. I had one of those moments just the other day. I was having breakfast with somebody who I'd been meant to have breakfast for, with for months. And we were sitting down and we were having breakfast and he was talking about how he'd, he'd stepped out of the corporate in, environment. He, he was done with that. And now he's moving into the next season of his life. But he was busy working through different options. And then he said something. He said, I suddenly realized that in all the options I was working through of what to do next in my life, I was making big decisions based on fear. Every option was, was trying to do something to sort some fear that I had running in the background. And then he said this, I suddenly realized that Using fear as a reason for making big decisions is really, really stupid. Especially, he said, if I'm going to make decisions about a future I cannot control. He had fears. Their family had fears about their safety. They had fears about their economic well-being into the future. They had fears for their children and their grandchildren. And everything they were trying to decide was based on those fears. He looked at me, he said, John, my realization was this. Fear for a future I cannot control is a bad basis for making any decision. Fear for a future I cannot control is a bad basis for making any decision. This coming Wednesday, I hope this is not a surprise to you, all of us are going to be given the opportunity of being part of making a massive decision that will profoundly affect all of our lives every day for the next at least five years. We're going to go and vote. We're going to make a decision, a really big one. And I wonder how you're going to arrive at that decision. I hope you've been grappling with it. We had a great grappling here in, in, in church last yesterday evening as we, as we talked around these issues. But I hope that, that you realize fear is a terrible reason for making decisions, especially really big ones, especially about a future you cannot control. But the truth is fear is a reality. It is a reality. We can't pretend it's not. It's part of the human experience 
And if we don't recognize this, I want to tell you this, politicians, marketing executives, sales people, and religious leaders know how to sell things based on fear. They always will, not always, over and over again, they will start with, you need to be afraid of that. You must be afraid of this. I recently had a friend who, who had to take over the appearance business. They, uh, the, their dad could no longer function properly, and, and they happened to live in another country. And, and they, they said the amount of mail that their dad got to support this thing or that thing was frightening. He says, and all of it was, guys, this terrible thing is going to happen. These people, those people, and you know what? You need to give us your money because we can save you from that. And so we've got to understand we live in a world where people are constantly trying to sell us things based on fear. Now, to be sure, there is good fear. There is good fear. The fear of the Lord is a good fear. And there's other fears that keep us safe and alive. And we're not talking about that kind of fear. We're talking about the destructive kind of fear that makes us take our eyes off God and begin to put our trust in people or in systems. Bad fear, fear that divides Fear that fractures, fear that separates, fear that creates barriers. The Hebrew word for do not be afraid has roots around things like don't be broken, don't be crushed, don't be that. Because that's what fear does. Fear makes us hate our neighbors. Fear makes us afraid of others. Fear makes us afraid of, of, of action. Fear makes us take our eyes off God. That disabling fear that is used so often. Over and over again, the Bible says this, fear not. Fear not. Not because God wants us to feel guilty about our fear. Not because God wants us to feel worse already, but God wants to tell us something really clearly. That I know that fear is a human reality. Sin brings fear into the world, and we've all got to deal with that. It is a human reality. But God has to remind us over and over again that fear is not the way of the kingdom of God. Being afraid of the world and of influences and of others is not the way of the kingdom of God and God's people. And so God tells us, don't fear. Not because he thinks we're going to stop being afraid, but because he wants to help us learn how to overcome our fears. He wants us to learn that we can still live a God-glorifying, beautiful, wonderful, world-changing life if, if we allow him to help us overcome our fears and not make important decisions based on fear. Christians, fear mustn't be denied. It must be overcome. In the Old Testament, there's a great book. It's the book of Joshua. It's about a young, no, he's old by then. 
but an old man who has to lead God's people into the promised land. Joshua was one of those people came out of Egypt and then spent 40 years walking around the wilderness because of other people's fears. If you know the story, you know that the children of Israel cross the desert, they arrive at the promised land, they send spies into the promised land, 12 of them, and they see things that frighten them. And you know what? They should be frightened because they were big things. They were strong armies. They were fortified cities. They were, they were all sorts of things that made them afraid. And 10 of those spies come back and they say, no, 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 no. And two of them, a guy called Joshua and a guy called Caleb, go, no, yes, yes, God is with us. And so this poor guy has been walking around in the desert for 40 years. And now the moment comes. He's clearly a brave man. He's clearly a brave man. God has chosen him to lead his people. But listen how God speaks to him as he's getting ready to go into the promised land. After the death of Moses, the servant of God, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Why does God have to keep telling him to be courageous? Because he's a human being. Yes, he's a follower of God. Yes, he has natural bravery. He's a warrior. But he's, he's like us. And even in this magnificent moment again and again God has to tell him fear not be courageous surely God doesn't need to have to tell him apparently he does again and again but here's what's beautiful while God is telling him to be strong and courageous he's busy giving him a lesson in the tools that God gives to all his children to overcome their fear and, and there's, there's a bunch of tools in this passage that I want us to go through as we face our fears, not just for the election, but for life, for every day. And so, so I, I, I want you for a minute to make some of your greatest fears a reality. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pause. And there's lots of homework in this church service today. I'm sorry. But in your bulletin, you've got a place for notes. And if you use it often, that's great. You've got a pen. So if you want to, take it out. Take it out. And in the middle, there's an open square. 
Write your biggest fears in that square. Just one or two of them. You know, I, 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 don't, I mean, I don't know what Joshua would have written there. I, you know, I don't know. But, but I know some of the things I would write there. Some of the things I fear. God, have I got the strength to carry on leading a church? I'm afraid. God, will our church always do what you want us to do? God, will I serve? Those are fears. I have many of them. So do you. Write one or two of them in that square. Or think about them if you don't want to write it down. Or say, as you write, by the way, it would help us if you put your pen under the chair when you leave. Okay, don't steal it. Um, but, but when you're done, at the end of the service, not right now. Okay, you got them? Got your fears? I would need a longer list, but... Okay, so, so here is where God begins. Here's where God begins to say to Joshua, Joshua, this fear thing, I want you to overcome it. I want you to be brave, Joshua, because you are going to lead God's people into a place they've never been before. And here's the first thing that God reminds Joshua is that all God's children have a promised destination. They have a promised destination. God says it like this to Joshua. I will give you every place your foot treads. That's how God says it to Joshua. Now, now we understand that that's not just a spiritual thing for Joshua. It is a very real kind of political reality. Joshua, everywhere you go, I'm going to give you this land. It flows with milk and honey. It is a good land. Joshua, you know what? Later in other parts of the Bible, God says to the Israelites, if you know you, when you go into this country, there should be no poor people among you because there's enough in this land for everybody. Everybody. If you act justly and right, everybody. You don't need to be afraid because I've given you something. Folk, it's not just Joshua that gets this promise. It's every child of God. It's every child of God. Unfortunately, I think often we want to politicize those promises. We want to be, we want it to be here and now. But the truth is, it's always both. It's always both. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. They all stressed. Jesus is about to leave. Things are about to change for them, big time. And they're afraid and they're expressing their fear and they don't know what to do. And Jesus says this to them in John chapter 14, verse 2. My father's house has many rooms in it. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Look, I don't know what the next life is going to be like. And I'll tell you why I don't know. Because God said you can't know. God has told us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It has not entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Now I want you to know that this isn't some naive promise that it's okay, you're going to be all right, you're going to be all right. Joshua had been in the desert. Joshua was still going to fight wars. People were still going to die. There were going to be lots and lots of real life, everyday struggles. So we're not being naive when we say this. We're not trying to anesthetize ourselves. When we leave here and after we vote on Wednesday, it's not going to be fixed like that. But 
God has promised us a destination. He has promised us spiritually a destination, a place where we will go, that when we look back from it, we'll go, my goodness me, it was worth it. It was worth it. But it's not just, it's not just a physical promise. It's also, uh, it's, it's also a spiritual promise for the here and now. The Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus describes the destination like this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You know what I love about the Beatitudes? They jump back and forth between heaven and earth the whole time. These people are blessed because this is the kingdom of God. These people are blessed because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are these people who mourn because they will be comforted. I love the fact, folk, God has promised us not only a heavenly one-day destination, but a real future here on earth now. And it's going to be filled with difficulties, but it's going to be filled with more blessings than we can handle. And they're not only always the things we want them to be, but they are always the thing God wants it to be. Have you ever noticed how often we as Christians, when we've got a, a government we like, then we're all about those verses that God puts the government in place. But then when we've got a government we don't like, then not so much. Yes. No. We need to know that whether we love them or hate them, God will bless us. Because he has promised his people a destination. He has promised this church a destination. Sometimes when I fear for things here, I say, God has promised us. God has promised us. He's faithful. He's been faithful to this church for 53 years, 52 years. He's not going to stop now. John, fear not. Be courageous. Not only has God given us a promised future, but God has given us companions for the journey. Joshua, you're going to lead these people. Joshua, you're going to lead these people. I've got to say that for Joshua, that was a hangover mixed blessing, eh? Because, wow, those acts were hard. Why? Because they were human. But God has given us people to be on this journey with us. Just like God gave Joshua guys like Caleb. And if you read the book of Joshua over and over again, these people that come around him and say, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this about us followers of Jesus. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I'm going to tell you one of the tools that God has used in my life in the last year and a half in helping me deal with my fears has been a group of 
guys that I meet with regularly, my, my, my LTC group. I can remember mornings when we've sat around a table and all of us are like one struggling with this at work and, and we begin to talk. And we begin to say, but what about this? Oh, but remember what happened here. What God, life transforming conversations has been one of the number one tools that God has used for me. The other day, uh, there was a particular thing that I was just grappling with and really afraid of. And, and I met with a couple of guys. We had breakfast at spa together. In fact, there was only one of them. The, only, the other guys were too busy. They couldn't make it. And I remember coming out of that meeting and literally looking for somebody I knew that I could just say to them, guys, it's okay. God is with us. And it was so great because as I came into the office, um, there were three guys who meet at home ground. Before it opens, they sit around the table doing the same thing I'd been doing. And I went to them and I said, guys, never stop doing this, okay? Because God will use it to give you courage. And they all looked at me as if I was a bit doof. They said, we know that, pastor. Why do you think we are here? If you want to know a bit more about an LTC group, it's, it's not a hard thing. There, there are forms at the back. You can pick them up. You could chat to Richard. Rich, stand up so that people can see. You. Chat to Richard. This is not, it's not rocket science. Yeah. But guys, God will use other people. He does all the time. My life group. I, I, I could go on. I'm not going to go on there. By the way, are you busy writing these things down? Because I want you to write them on top of those fears that you've written down there. Write it over those fears so that you can remember these are God's tools. God has promised us a glorious destination. God has promised us people who will walk this journey with us. God has also promised us guardrails. Now, you can spell that G-U-A-R-D if you want, or you can spell it G-O-D. God rails. Hey, Joshua, as you go into this land, be careful to obey all the laws that I have given you. I've given you this, these boundaries that will stop you falling over the cliff, that will stop you wrecking your life. Now, not only will stop you wrecking your life, but will stop you wrecking other people's lives as well, because that's what sin and fear does. It doesn't just ruin our own lives, it ruins other people's lives as well. Guardrails. I think in this particular passage, God is referring to the Ten Commandments for Joshua. The, the kind of summary of the whole law that Joshua had. Now, I know you're probably thinking, whoa, there are so many rules. There's so many laws. Yes, there are. There are so many guardrails. But I want to tell you that Jesus himself made it quite easy for us. Because when someone said to him, okay, tell us which laws now, which, because there are lots. This is how Jesus responds. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Matthew 22, somebody asks him that. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Remember we talked about how fear divides? It's hard to be divided from somebody you love. And, and there are other rules, and those other rules ought to be kept because God loves us. But, but when, but have you ever thought of trying to choose a political party to vote for based on which party will help you love God the most and love your neighbor the most? Or which party most represents loving God 
and neighbors. I'm, I'm not here to tell you who I'm going to vote for or to tell you who to vote for. But imagine if we all decided who to vote for based on the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. I'm going to give you a quick confession. Yesterday's meeting tree where we talked about how Christians should learn to vote. For the first time ever in my life, I sat next to somebody who represented the IFP. And what a great guy he was. In fact, he was quite, I'm going to tell you, because he was there as a Christian, not as a politician. But for the first time I sat there and I thought, why have I never thought about voting for the IFP? Because I've grown up with certain fears. Certain fears have said, you, 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 there's the section you can choose from, John. Other people choose from that section. But here's what happened. I got to know people who, who, who represented as many of the political parties as we could here in Frontier. And all of a sudden, because I, there were human beings in front of me, I'm like, ooh, it made me a little bit, gave me more choices. Wednesday's going to be an interesting day. But God will guide me. I know he will. And he'll guide you too. But don't let fear guide you. Let God guide you. You you know why that God rail of love is the greatest commandment? Because the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Here's the last thing that this passage teaches us teaches us that God gives us an amazing destination. He's promised it to us. It teaches us that God gives us these amazing people, sometimes who we are very different from, to be on this journey with us. Promises us guardrails that will keep us safe and secure. But then the greatest thing that God promises to every single one of us is this. Himself. Himself. Joshua 1 verse 9, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua had never met Jesus. Joshua still served a God that you had to go into a tent or into a temple to connect closely to. We live on the other side of God himself coming down to earth and living with us. When Jesus came down, he just became this carpenter guy. And he came and walked with people. God is with us. Jesus said it like this. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the thing. We have to practice the presence of God. God is always with us. But so often we are not with God. So often we are not with God. And Joshua had to get those reminders a few times. As they came into the promised land. And they, and they, and they didn't, didn't go the way they planned. And God, we go to Joshua. Joshua, here's the problem. I haven't left. It's you guys that have. You've let your fears overcome you. You've let your worries overcome you. But I am with you always to the very end of the age. It doesn't matter who gets elected on Wednesday. 
God is with us. That's a naive statement. It does matter. Because God does want righteousness and justice and goodness and all those things. But we can't make a decision like we need to make on Wednesday or all the other hundreds of decisions made based on fear. We've got to make it on who God is and what he has promised us and where he will take us because he is with us to the very end of the age. That's why we worship. That's why we come here together and we sing those glorious songs because we walk in here with our hearts full of fear and then we are reminded that he's with us. I want us to end by praying together. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to pray out loud all together and we're going to pray that God will lead us on Wednesday, that God will give us servants to serve us in our government. Or perhaps you want to pray about your other fear that you wrote down there. But I'm going to invite you for the next few minutes to pray out loud. And the louder you pray, the less chance there is of the person next to you hearing you because they're also going to pray loud. And then at the end, I'm going to close in a prayer for all of us. So let's pray together. Go. Lord God, as the election approaches, we seek to better understand the issues and concerns that confront our beloved nation and how the gospel compels us to respond as faithful citizens in our community. We ask for eyes that are free from blindness so that we might see each other as sisters and brothers, one and equal in dignity and value, each one made in the image of God. We ask especially that we would see those who are victims of abuse and violence, deceit and poverty and understand their needs and how we as a nation can respond. We ask for ears that will hear the cries of the fatherless children and those who are abandoned, men and women oppressed because of race or creed, religion or gender. We ask for minds and hearts that are open to hearing the voice of leaders who will bring us closer to your kingdom. We pray for discernment so that we may choose leaders who will hear your word, live your love, and keep in the ways of your truth as they follow in the steps of Jesus. And that will guide our nation to be the one that is characterized by justice, love, abundance, and peace. We pray that you will free us from the fear that causes us to look around and not at you as we enter this election week. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and through his power and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.